CapsCorner.com, podcast, CapsCorner.com. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, June the 26th. July is right around the corner, which means that um, the start of fall camp is right around the corner, which obviously, for those of us, uh, if you're in media or you're just a football fan, you are desperately hoping for that. It'll be here soon. Uh, until then, we, we will try to keep you entertained. Um, we will recap the, uh, the NBA draft, which obviously was a big night for the Cavaliers. Um, we'll talk a little bit about, um, um, the, um, football recruiting has been obviously pretty red hot in the last few days. So we'll talk a little bit about kind of where the class is and maybe where it's going and, um, who are some of the guys that are, that are still on the board that, that we think, Either the Cavaliers have a really good shot for or guys that just are sort of in that conversation. And then we've got an interesting we, – we're going to bring back fifth side of the ball um, tonight. We, we, I forget whose idea it was, but it's a good one. So we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everyone. Up in Fishersville, the very uh, Polland, uh, David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing okay. I apologize in advance if I happen to stop talking and disappear for a second so I can sneeze off mic. But – I'm going to rally because that's what you do in the middle of the summer, in the doldrums of the non revenue sportsdom. Um, who days on the board at who days on Twitter? Uh, I, I think actually the people are very, uh, well, I don't know. They might, some of them are probably like, hey, man, don't worry about it. Just sneeze. It's all good. Um, but it doesn't make for, for great audio. Hope you uh, feel better, brother. Um, up in uh, Reston, Justin Ferber also on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm good. As Dave just said, no days off in the summer. <laughs> Got to keep grinding. Um, and I apologize if I just say anything dumb like I do any other show. So, <laughs> add Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter if you want more dumb stuff. <laughs> Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the game updates, content items. And apparently, uh, random screenshots that became somebody's um, uh, desktop. Did you guys see that? I like, I had, the other day I just had this idea. I, I, I don't follow you. Yeah, I, I saw I, it. <laughs> I don't follow you. I had, this, I had this idea for anybody out there who doesn't pay attention to Twitter. Uh, I had this I just was like I realized that I still had the tab from the national championship game from the stat feed open. Like uh, as one of the, the the tabs that I have in Chrome and so I just like thought it was funny and I took a picture of it. I was like, "Oh, I guess this thing's been here a while." And somebody responded and basically was like, "Oh, hey, that's pretty cool. Uh, I needed a new background." And there and so like there's a I, there's sometimes where this job is a little surreal and that was one of those moments I was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." Um but yeah, my 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 screen is on somebody else's screen, which is kind of cool. Anyway, um, all right. So the NBA draft the other night kind of went in some ways like we thought it would go, um, but at the same time, like if if you go back and um, and listen to the pod uh, from last week, part of we were we were we were halfway expecting Dre to fall a little bit. Um, I definitely kind of went into protection mode and tried to make sure everybody was prepared in case Kyle didn't get drafted, and then we didn't need to worry about either of those storylines. Um, Dave, let's start with you in, in, in terms of what you thought going into that night. So let's say, you know, right before when the news started to break that, 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 that the pick had been traded and that it looked like Atlanta was coming up to, to take Dre. Um, how, how did the, the draft sort of stack up at least in terms of what your expectations were? I mean, that, that was definitely surprising. Um, you know, I know this happens every draft as, as draft Nick's like, like myself and Ferber and Brad, I, I guess in some lesser degree, notice you know the media always has this information, which seems to to build like multiple sources confirming, and then all of a sudden you realize it's completely wrong come draft night. Um, and that's kind of what you saw with Dre. Like you heard all the talk that 
you know, none of the GMs really thought anyone beyond the top three had separated themselves. And therefore, like, why would you spend a lot of capital to move up if you couldn't get into the top three? Which, you know, given where, uh, given that New Orleans had that fourth pick, it's like, who's going to trade a lot to move up to four if that's how they feel? And then, boom, right for the draft, um, they made that trade, which clearly shows that. You know, if you put that together with the fact that Dre didn't work out for anyone publicly, at least, and other than Atlanta, um, it seems like that was, you know, he impressed them. And, you know, based on what you've, it's kind of weird. And I'm sure we'll talk about the whole horrible draft process the NBA has. Um, you haven't been able to read anything direct from the the Hawks on, on their thoughts on Dre. But, you know, it would seem that maybe they think they're all kind of equally uh, on their offensive upside. But, his defensive presence given the roster they had made a lot of sense. So um, it's kind of crazy. I mean, he, he went four and like, it doesn't feel that normal. You know, it's you know, Virginia won a national championship and, you know, three guys got drafted. Like what world is this? Um, I like it. I'm, I'm going to stay a while. <laughs> yeah. It would be nice if Virginia had three dudes that get drafted uh, every year. Um, yeah, to so to Dave's aforementioned point about the the way that the NBA does its trades, I'm gonna let Ferber handle that because um, I don't think uh, I don't think it had really even sort of dawned on me that that was a thing that they did until he mentioned it before the draft about how it was dumb and then it was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Ferber, take it away. Yeah, I mean it's just like you know the draft is supposed to be an entertainment event, really. I mean that's how they bill it. Um, you know, it's supposed to be for the fans to watch it. I mean, it's a TV based thing. Right. And, um, the way they set it up makes it hard for people to follow, especially, I mean, people don't really care probably as much about the second round, but even in the second round, it's even harder to follow because they're not giving you the constant woes updates because those picks get traded all the time. So like, you know, Kyle gets picked by the Knicks, but he ends up with Sacramento. But we didn't even know that until after the pick. You know, it's very confusing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I wish they could change the language in their trade deals where they could kind of, like, announce them before the the pick is actually made, like the NFL does it. Um, I know there's probably some, like, paperwork sort of stuff that has to be sorted out, but couldn't you just have some kind of, like, unofficial trade sort of situation. I think it's dumb to have him like up there wearing the wrong hats and everything. But luckily with, with DeAndre, I mean, we kind of knew, like, like Dave said, it was announced before the draft even started uh, that, that they were going to take that pick. So um, yeah, I mean, that made it a little bit more clear, but it's just weird that like he has to kind of sit there in limbo until July um, when the Anthony Davis trade is completed. And it kind of makes you wonder if this whole thing was kind of worked out ahead of time if he didn't work out for any other teams because it seems counterintuitive to work out for the team that has the eighth pick and then just settle for that, right? I mean, you you if you wanted to go earlier, then, you know, maybe you work out for Cleveland or whoever. But unless he thought it was, like, the perfect fit for him and he just was hoping that they took him an eight. Yeah, that was interesting to me, the idea that he didn't work out for anybody but them, and then that's exactly yeah. what happened. I don't know if I, I – I mean, it, may, it makes you wonder if maybe they told him that they had a trade kind of in the works you know, right. to go up. But the thing was that the, the Hawks didn't even – or the Pelicans didn't even have that pick until – Exactly, which they could, they could have been talking to, to Los Angeles yeah, I mean, it about could have it. Been in the, it could have been in the works from before. Yeah, I mean, like, or they knew that that Anthony Davis trade was going down. Right, you know? true, which I, I think was a – you know. I think there was an expectation even going into it that that eventually 
um, once once David Griffin, you know, got to the place where he knew Anthony Davis wasn't going to budge, he knew he had to deal him. And I mean, they got a, a king's ransom for him. That's for sure. I feel like Dre, though, in and up in Atlanta, uh, is, is a really interesting fit, um, especially because of what else the Hawks did in the draft, right? So so they they not only take uh, him, but they take Cam Reddish. Um, how do we feel about Dre and Cam Reddish in the same spot? Because I think the thing about the NBA, and this is probably a good time for us, because I would imagine that most people who listen to this podcast probably don't watch a lot of the NBA. Like, the NBA is a star's league, and so if you want to be a star, you, you, there's a lot of rungs on the ladder. You got to, you know, you could be somebody in college, and you could just be nobody in the league. But um, for a guy like Dre, he's an he's kind of a um, uh, he's a nice piece, but at the same time, like he's not going there to be like the, the face of the franchise. They have that. Trey Young's the fr- face of that franchise, right? Um, what do we think of, of Dre and Cam Reddish together, Ferber? Yeah, I mean, you also have to remember, like, you know, we were talking about this during the draft, but the NBA is a stars league, but it's also an asset collection league. So, I mean, just because two guys get drafted together doesn't mean they're going to play together. Um, and just because two guys are on the same team now, it doesn't mean it's going to stay that way because guys get traded all over the place all the time. Um, I think they can play together because I think you can uh, – Dre has that defensive versatility where he can guard bigger guys, he can guard smaller guys. You could play him at the three. Um, Cam Reddish obviously is more of a two, I think, like an off-ball guard. Um, and, I mean, Cam Reddish for, for starters isn't going to – I mean, I would say if Dre starts from day one, Cam Reddish won't because Kevin Herter is going to start over him. So, like, at least for now. Um, I don't think it's a bad fit. I mean, I, it, it, he, I think he'd be a, like – there was some talk about maybe Dre going to New Orleans with Zion, and I think that would have been a worse fit because some of the guys they got in that trade with Los Angeles, I think they got Brandon Ingram in that trade, correct? Um, and, and then Zion – like then you're you're really racking up a lot of threes, and I think that at that point it kind of they would have had to make a move or something to kind of unload some of those pieces. But I think Atlanta works out pretty good. Um, they, they I don't expect them to be super competitive this year. I mean, but they do have a nice they've 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 accumulated some young pieces that I think um, will will eventually pay off for them whether it's you know they trade one of those guys for a, a, a veteran piece or whatever but trey young dre john collins reddish kevin herter i mean all those guys together that's that's a good core um and then they you know they i think they probably still have plenty of money to spend as well i think it works fine too i mean i mean the nba is different now like probably it wouldn't have worked 10 years ago in the nba um but you know you, you've got fives who who run the point at some in some pro in some for some teams so like Dre's really good on defensive end I think Reddish may end up being like Zion's an interesting talent you know if he stays healthy he's gonna he's gonna be phenomenal but um, I think Reddish has a tremendous upside so but I don't see any reason those two can't play on the on the court together um, like Justin said I don't know if that's a team that can be competitive but all it takes is one guy being a lot better than you thought, um, you know, to make a run in the East, especially with LeBron out of it. And who knows where Kawhi ends up. And it looks like all the teams that look like they're going to be dominant in the East might not. So, I mean, I think they could be a borderline playoff team next year, but it'll be fun to watch. I haven't, I mean, honestly, I haven't watched the Hawks play in years. Uh, so it'll give me a reason to do it. Um, and, 
I mean, I guess we'll find out what the team looks like and what they're planning on July 6th when they, I guess it's July 6th, 5th or 6th, when they can officially announce Dre signing. Um, not to go on a rant about that, but it's been a little crazy. I've been trying to get those jerseys, and you can't even, you go on the Hawks website, and it's all reddish stuff, and welcome to Atlanta reddish, and there's nothing about Dre yet. Um, it kind of fits the so, narrative, though, right? If like Virginia fans are just like, you know, like I think for as as people who who who've been watching this program forever, right? They won a national championship and nobody talks about. It. You know what I'm saying? Like it just found yeah. kind of weird. It was super. It was super interesting though that like you know he's one of those dudes, and then all three of them, right? All three of them were involved in some sort of uh, trade situation. Yeah, uh, it's almost like the Hawks forgot about Dre. Oh gosh. <laughs> But yeah. you know, All right, knowing, I'll, I'll see myself out. Yeah. <laughs> knowing Dre though, like he's probably he probably is so happy he didn't have to deal with all this stuff right now. I mean, he will eventually. It's just, yeah, he will. Yeah, but at that point, yeah, he gets like a couple weeks just to enjoy it with his family and, right. and work out. So yeah, well, and knowing think, his personality, probably probably he's probably okay with it. Yeah, you know? and and it and it kind of fits his personality too to be the fourth player in a three guy draft, right? If you think about like, because if you think about the broadcast, and I saw some people talking about this, like there was the number one pick, and they made a big deal out of obviously Zion. There was a lot of com, you know, there was a big interview or whatever, and there's you know Barrett and 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 Ja, right? And then Dre gets, I mean, he, not that they didn't interview him, right? I mean, they did, but it wasn't like this. It wasn't like the other three. And then, you know, I, I just think that of all the things that I was, I don't want to say nervous about for him, but in all the things that like just didn't, that, that was the part that I'm sure he he wasn't really that stoked about because he's just not a dude who likes that sort of attention. Um, but I'm guessing he got some sort of, he's probably, you know, his people probably been working with him. It's crazy to me. This is one of those things that happens every year, NFL draft, NBA draft, whatever, that these kids that I knew when they were like in high school now have people who help them with interviews. You know what I'm saying? Or like that, that have a whole entire JC Penny campaign. I mean, Dre is, you know, I, I didn't cover Chris long. So I mean, Dre is as high you know, in terms of draft picks as, as, as I've covered at UVA. But, like, I mean, it's it's just nuts that, like, in in not in a very, fairly short amount of time, dude went from being just, like, a, a dude on a team to having a bunch of people who do stuff. Um, and if you pay it attention... He was redshirting two years ago, dude. I know, right? <laughs> um, and now, if you pay... What's really great about Dre, though, is you pay attention to social media. What's he doing? He's, like, watching SpongeBob. You know what I mean? Like, he's back at the crib watching, you know whatever um so no i i think thailand and in phoenix is super interesting um not to borrow from another podcast um but it does kind of seem like point guards tend to just kind of land there um and I, i'm not real sure one i mean i don't know how i'm gonna ever watch him play um but i, I don't i don't think it's a bad fit i think it's funny the way that the nba looked at at ty it it was weird in the sense that Everybody said, like, oh, his game won't translate well. And yet the pros love him because they know exactly what they can get from him. Um, and they know exactly who he is. And, and he's comfortable being who he is. How did we feel about the fit in Phoenix for Ty and sort of uh, what his situation is there going forward? Uh, Ferber, we'll start with you again. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're a bad team. So, I mean, you have to kind of deal with that. And uh, and like you said, for UVA fans, it's not a great fit because you're probably just not going to see much of them unless you want to get league pass because they're not going to be on national TV and their games are going to be at 10 o'clock at night. Um, but I, I think that, like I said, I mean, you're not necessarily stuck in one place for your whole career. Justin Anderson was picked higher than Ty, I believe. 
Um, and he is, he's been on like five teams. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying that's a good thing. I'm just, you know, don't, don't get caught up in the immediacy of things because the way that assets move around the league, I mean, Ty could be a, a backup point guard for Phoenix or something. And then, you know, somebody needs another point guard on a playoff team and they trade for him or something. So you never know. Um, I, it's an interesting team. I think, you know, the Cam Johnson pick, I wasn't really expecting him to go that high, but I don't really mind it. He was one of my favorite guys in the draft that wasn't, you know, a top guy just because he has, you know, one really good skill. He's an amazing shooter. He's got length. Um, and then obviously they had, they drafted Aiden last year. I don't remember if they had any other picks this year. Um, obviously, I don't think Ty has been announced to Phoenix either because I think he's caught up in a trade um, as well. But yeah, I mean, it's a it's an interesting fit. I mean, I didn't see him going there. I, we talked last week. I kind of thought he would end up in one of these big East Coast markets um, as a backup to like Ben Simmons or whoever in Boston, whoever ends up there. Um, but I mean, I think that you know, I think he can bring some things to the team that are positive. You know, some some leadership and things like that. You know, on a on a franchise that's kind of just been maybe the worst run franchise in the league outside of the Knicks, or maybe worse. Um, over the last half decade or so. So, I mean, they've got a lot of work to do as a team, but I think, you know, he's in the league now. He's in the spot where he's going to be able to play, um, and that's not the worst thing in the world. True. Um, I was There was a question I was going to ask in there, and now I don't remember what it is, so we're just going to move on. What do you think, Dave? I mean, is it interesting? I mean, I, I kind of forget Phoenix has a team sometimes. Oh, that's <laughs> mean. Oh, that's so I mean, hard. Yeah, they're, like, they're just off the radar. I mean, I mean they're just I mean, bad. Like, they've kind of been a place where like the superstars have gone at the end of their career, right? Um, I mean, honestly, like Kevin Johnson, Dan Marley, and then you had like Barkley there made a run to the finals, and then yeah, I mean they Shaq had like, there Steve Nash won career. an MVP there. Yeah, so there's, two maybe, maybe it was two. It's no offense to Phoenix; they're just kind of they're a West Coast team. Where it's East okay, Coast dude. Fans, I don't think they're so. listening to our podcast. Um, you don't have to worry yeah. about them. I, mean, I also always forget they have Devin Booker, who's like, yeah, who's like really, really good. He's really good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that kid, that kid's really good. And you know, I'm glad I was getting ready to bring him up because I think he's like he and Ty, like they're both kind of under the radar guys who are really, really good. Um, so I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch them play together. Look, Ty's going to be good in anywhere he goes. I think um, a lot of everyone's going to underestimate him. He's going to go there with a chip on his shoulder because that's what he does. And he's going to be a leader of that team pretty quickly. Um, maybe not year, you know, maybe not month one, but by the end of the year, I think he'll be respected in that locker room. Um, I'm interested to see how his game translate to translates to the NBA. I, even the most staunch UVA fan will admit, you know, Ty's got some athletic deficiencies, but like he makes, he's so smart. Like he makes up for it. And, you know, it's a long season and long games and, not everyone defends hard every play. Not everyone goes hard every play. And Ty knows that, and he, he will take advantage of it. So, um, I mean, uh, no offense to Dre. I think it's kind of crazy that, you know, it took us 15 minutes to talk about Ty getting drafted because, I mean, Dre we thought was a first-round pick after seeing him play his first year, right? Um, and Ty, people were questioning why Tony used that scholarship for the better part of his first year. Um, and here he is, you know, going in the first round, and, you know, and I think he, it's well-deserved. Um, I mean, there didn't seem to be any, ooh, can you believe he went in the first round talk 
Um, no, by the time true. the draft came around, it was like, yeah, where he was is like he a consensus first round pick. I mean, by the time he got, which paid. is, a, which yeah, is think funny about be- the guys who didn't go in the first round, because in the days yeah. after the season, right before they announced, we all were, you know, we thought Dre would go. We thought Ty and, and would test the waters and then probably maybe Kyle would test, but they, they would both be back. Like that was the initial thought. Right. And I mean, that, I mean, clearly he, he, he knew, uh, and Hey, more power to him. Kyle ends up uh 55th, I guess, picked by the Knicks, but sent to the Kings, um, I admit I don't know much about Sacramento's roster, though I did do like 15 minutes on their uh, radio show with. Uh, <laughs> we should have played a game called like Sons or Kings, and I just like give you a <laughs> just random dudes. Because uh, like I don't even like, know. Jimmer Jim Fredette is on one of those teams. Do you know which one? I think or, like he's owned by one of them. I think it was the Suns, right? Isn't he now yeah. a restricted free agent? Because he's on Phoenix. No, they decided yeah. not to match his uh, his offer sheet. Right. I um, think he was been, he's been playing in China or whatever. Yeah, but. I did a I did 15 minutes with the Sacramento Kings like radio network the other night so it was like doug christie and and some other dude who i guess is their play-by-play guy and i was like um i, I mean i'm talking about kyle but i mean i have literally no idea who's on their team right and and you know, Fox. yeah right there's <laughs> like one dude everybody knows Mark like Beck. one good uh, i guess true i guess that's where bagley ended up um but i i think my biggest thing with kyle is like i'm just really glad that it worked out for him you know he he we, we you never know at the end of the second round what sort of machinations are in place because you like uh like this the, apparently like Lugans Dort right the kid from um Arizona State he apparently had options in the second round but chose not to to basically he he told teams not to pick him if what they were going to do is like yeah, stash he'd rather be a free agent right he'd rather him. pick it and, and there's a lot of that goes on the second round so I don't want to make it sound like you know every you know that that Kyle was clearly a a, a consensus second rounder. But he got picked, and that's a that's a substantial thing. Uh, as he moves forward, it's going to be you know he, he, there's a lot of there's a lot of rungs on that ladder, right? Uh, in terms of you know getting settled and making the team and where they put you and you know you know where you're going and that kind of thing. But the fact that he got picked and 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 it worked out for him, I think is um, I mean I, I'm really excited for that kid. Uh, I think that you know he he's got well, he's got some things he needs he needs to work on, um, but. You know what? He, I could see him being a you know a, a contributor, uh, a journeyman. Uh, that's kind of the the life I think he, that he's going to see in, in the league. And hey, congratulations to to him and to all three of them. You guys got any other thoughts on on Kyle or or the draft before we roll on? Yeah, just real. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say for Kyle, uh, I, I felt like it was very binary. Like it was like he's either going to you know, yes or it, how the decision he made is viewed ultimately by fans. Is was which is going to come down to whether or not he got picked. I mean, obviously, if he lashed onto a team and made a roster, that's great um, and probably just as good, really. But it kind of vindicates his decision. I mean, the, a lot of the reason people didn't think he should do it is because they didn't think he'd get picked, and he got picked. So I mean, like I said last week, I thought it was fifty-fifty, and and obviously the Kings saw something they liked because they worked him out twice. Um, kind of a similar situation to Ty, where the team's in transition. Uh, unlike Ty, though, I feel like. You know, he might actually benefit more from being on a bad team just because maybe at the end of the year he gets a shot in the NBA to come up and, and show what he can do. They do have a lot of guys like that are on the wing, though, so there's some competition. Um, like they have Buddy Heald, for example, and I think they have Alec Burks on their roster and uh, Yogi Ferrell and a few other guys. Yeah, I think it's about time. You know, Kyle's been doubted his entire career, right? I mean, um, Think about all the dudes who got drafted in the in the 
drafted from the ACC. And Kyle's pretty much gone in and smacked all of them, right? He, he's he's had outstanding performances against just about every team in the in the toughest league in basketball. Um, I don't see any reason why in today's NBA he can't do that again. Um, so I'll, I'll not be shocked to see him, you know, stick on the roster, especially about a year end. Um, shot making is at a premium, and if even if he's that's all he does is come off the bench and and bring them some shooting. That's a you know NBA values that now and and you saw that you you saw guys like Nasir Little who are athletes who who don't really have any great home skills drop because it's a skill game now you've got to have athleticism but shooting is at a premium Um, and look Kyle's hit shots in the biggest stage and there's no reason to believe he won't do it in the NBA and when you read even though Kyle's kind of in that same situation with the draft. The trade thing, like Vlade Divac had some very nice things to say about his workout. Right. Um, so I think he's going to get a fair shake. And, but, you know, if you can make shots, they'll find room for you. I want to just push back on one thing. I, I, I get I get the uh, the narrative with him, and certainly he, he sort of uses that as fuel, but he was a McDonald's All-American, and he was Indiana Mr. Basketball. Like, he kind of wasn't necessarily doubted every step of the way. Okay. No, he wasn't, but, yeah, I mean, he still wasn't, you know. It's still hard to believe, like he was first team on the yeah. ACC, right? Like you're not going to forget player. about it twice, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah twice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but uh, yeah, like Brad said, I, I don't think you're ever going to get a kid that was like everybody believed in me. I like, mean, like no, even Zion, yeah, Zion, Zion gets in the interviews like I never thought I'd be here, and I'm like, bro, you've yeah. known for months you were going to be there. Like, come on, bro. <laughs> it's, you, it's like it's just like a buzzword thing now. Like yeah. everybody that commits, like, for all my haters, school, everybody that commits to like a football team now, it's like, you know. I, I can't believe I'm here, which is fine. I like the humility, but it's like nobody thinks I can do it. It's like, well, the school that you're committing to. <laughs> All those schools that offered you scholarships thought you could do it. <laughs> Speaking of scholarships, good segue. Um, so the Cavaliers on a little bit of a run, um, whether it's dudes from Louisiana or dudes from Florida or random tight ends from Pittsburgh, which, look. I, America's I, secondary. I, America's secondary. Um I gotta be honest, man. I I'm pleasantly impressed. Like, I, it's not necessarily as good a like from a number standpoint, at least as of now, as the one was last year, right? Like, uh, if you look at you know star for star, right? And and that part of that's because there are ten commitments right now. Um, we've got uh, Armstead and Brady both as uh, two stars, um, which you know is it, it's a little bit. That's the name of the game, um, but you know you got you got a, a handful of like really quality guys that fit sort of what they're looking for. Generally, Dave, what what are your your sort of I don't know your feelings as of now about where this class is, and, and certainly what it's what it, what they've done the last few days. I mean, it's good. We we talked about it off air, like leading into this month. Um, you know, June is where the staff makes their hay. Uh, it makes hay. Um, not makes their hay, but the, you know, a bulk of their class always comes during, during the month of June. Um, they have a few commits here and there during the season and right before signing day, but you know, their last year, bulk of their class was in June the year before. So, um, and a lot of that has to do with identifying guys they like making them a priority and, and kind of pitching to them. And some of it has to do with the fact that the kids aren't four and five stars, you know, they're, they're kids who are, are, you know, are a little more receptive to the early commit. And you look at every one of them, they all fit a need. Um, 
they all fit a mold that this staff has shown they can develop that type of player into a you know into a vital piece of, of the team um and as i said before until this staff proves otherwise like i, I don't really care about the star rating um I mean, I think Charles Snowden and what they've done with Bryce Hall and some other guys that weren't really highly, you know, uh, rated recruits, they've kind of earned a pass. And so now, like, maybe I'm too guilty of saying, oh, that guy's, like, got Bryce Hall's height at corner. Like, he should be fine. You know, we got another Bryce. Um, but, you know, they, they know what they like. They identify. And if you follow these guys on social media, read the interviews, whatever, like, they all seem to be really – I don't know how the staff is doing. I don't know if it's an extra recruiting, um, uh, forget what they call them, the recruiting assistants, basically, they they're, have in that department. regional yes, scouts. scouts. Yeah. yeah, the regional scouts. I don't, I don't know if it's them being able to get down and know the kid a little better before the staff starts recruiting them. But, I mean, no offense to your writing, Brad, but don't, doesn't oh, it gosh. seem like it's the same kid, oh, like, over and over? Like, um, not, like, in a bad way, but they all have – the way there, they connect with the there's staff, a through there's line. this common, there's yeah. a through line. Yeah. It's family. And that matters to that kid. And if they're out of state, it's a reason they want to come be with the family out of state, um, you know, in Virginia and you know, the horses play a big role, the farm, <laughs> whatever they're doing, it maybe it's keeping them from some high recruits, but it, look, they're, they're, they're doing a great job with the kids they're getting. They're keeping them in the program. Um, which which is something we've seen before. We've had a lot of four and five stars commit and never step foot on campus, on grounds. Oh, good Lord. Wow, I'll Dave. take a timeout. Five yeah. second timeout. Jeez. Dead air. Yeah. Well. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. <laughs> and I, I think Armstead, Armstead is a really nice looking piece. And, you know, look, if you were if you needed to count on him to come in and be your starter next year, maybe you'd want something better. But when you got succession planning, you're like, it, that guy gets a year – to kind of learn the system and then you'll have a year or two behind another guy it starts making a lot more sense yeah it, it's funny that you mentioned that um one quick thing about the horses if uva can't find a way to parlay the hype and yeah. popularity yeah. of old town road into something <laughs> with the horses then they're not doing it right and clearly it's it's working um no but yeah like dave said i remember under the previous coaching staff and this wasn't always the case with quarterbacks but you, you take a quarterback and one of the first things I always used to think was like, I wonder if he could play as a freshman because part of that was you didn't have the guy, you know, like the guy until the end really. But, you know, when David Watford starting or whoever, you know, there was always a chance that it might not work out. Um, so you have to wonder if like some other guy is going to come in and be the answer with, with guys like Ira Armstead, you don't really, I don't think about it that way. Like, right. You forget, or at least I know, I forget that RJ Harvey was even like in that class you know he's on grounds now he was a really solid addition i thought yeah. but and luke Wentz really but you don't really think about them as much because you know that it's going to be a while before they play a meaningful role at quarterback barring some crazy string of injuries or something right um which is good i mean like that that's a good thing to have and, and um you know I, I think you know him specifically i think he's got a lot of tools that'll make him a good fit for what uva wants to do but one thing that i was gonna say to you guys last week and i, I forgot and then it ended up like i'm glad i didn't because i would have looked dumb um they took sam brady last week and i believe he was the first kid in the class that didn't have an offer from another power five school huh. and uh i mean like offers aren't the, you know like they said that they like to get kids early that maybe are under the radar and, and that's great and, and they've shown that they can develop them but i mean you look at the types of guys they're getting they're not 
necessarily all four-star or five-star kids, but they're getting people that are now more on the radar. They're winning these battles. Right. Um, Jadarius Clark or Bud Clark, whatever you want to call him, you know, he had a ton of offers. Chris, obviously, ton of offers. Donovan Johnson offers. Dave Farrard had a bunch of Power Five offers. Josh Rawlings had a pit offer, and UVA got him out of Pittsburgh. So um, that's encouraging to me. In addition to all of the, the on-field development stuff that we've seen as well. Couple things. One, look, just because Tony Bennett can win with Will Sherrill doesn't mean necessarily you want to ask him to do it all the time. And I don't think it's a surprise that the best recruiting class he's had at UVA is the one that won him a national championship. I agree with Dave's point that stars for Bronco don't necessarily mean as much. Um, what you, what, but when he goes after kids who are rated well or do have a bunch of offers, th- that's a good sign, right? In the sense that, like, here's a kid that everybody wants, so. Uh, but also Bronco, it fi- he fits whatever Bronco's looking for. They've gotten really specific when it comes to measurables, um, you know, uh, especially a defensive back. Like they they have a specific idea of what they want. And sometimes, you know, you might offer some of those kids, but they they might not necessarily be as many of them in a class, right? So if you need if you had a year where you needed to sign three DBs and you're looking for you know a six one six two kid, you know, you might be looking for a while. Um, right now in this class, they've got. Six one, six two, and um, and six uh, one, all from Louisiana or or Florida, like they're whatever they're doing on the scout front has definitely worked. Um, I agree completely with the idea that Bronco's really good at getting max. It seems like he's really good at getting the max of whatever the kid, um, you know, whatever the kid has in the tank. Now that's not to say that he does that with every one of them, right? Um, you know, they're going to be some kids that wash out, and that's just sort of the nature of the beast. But you look at the recruiting overall, um, they've done a really nice job of getting – of really making um, making a lot out of where their, their, their hooks are in, right? So, like, think about the way that they've recruited Florida and Louisiana. I would never have thought that one of the secrets to Bronco Mendenhall's early tenure at, in Charlottesville was going to be their ability to recruit Florida and Louisiana, Right. But they've got some regional scouts who are able to foster, not only find those kids and, and bring them to the staff and say, hey, here's a kid I think we, we should offer, but also, too, to, to kind of build those relationships um, so that once the coaching staff comes in, man, they're just closing. You know, they're not – the coaching staff right now is not doing all the heavy lifting. It's the scouts. It's the, it's, the, it's the sort of people that Carla Williams helped hire once she became the new athletic director. And I think for anybody who's listening to this podcast who thinks that, like, these things don't matter, it's – it's it's a it's a direct correlation staff facilities all of it, it you know it, it's related so i i like where they're going um i think that in order to to get a kid like you know whether it's bud clark or jimmy christ or um even you know josh rawlings i mean like he came it came down for him between uh pitt virginia and vanderbilt right and he wanted a college town but if Bronco and there didn't have the relationship stuff, you know, they, they, if that, that camaraderie wasn't there, he would have, you know, he would have found that college town somewhere else. It's not just, you know, today's point earlier, they do, there's a lot of similar sort of through line with a lot of these kids. The difference I think is, is that uh, Virginia is right now doing a great job of sort of, and, and I don't, I mean, look, I'm not, uh, I'm not on payroll, but like the and thing, it, it, that's really what they've, they've really, they've really centered on something that matters and it, and it seems to resonate and, Sometimes when you have a message in recruiting, that's the best thing you can have. I mean, if you think about like Mike London in his early years, he was he was recruiting off of literally nothing but uh, you can trust me, right? 
that you know who I am. I'm from here. Uh, you can trust me. It was, you know, it was a family thing, but kind of a different sort of vibe than what Bronco and his in his group are on right now. Like I'm gonna do right by you. Right, exactly. And like, it, you know, and and for a long time, even in spite of like no success, he was still able to do that. Like a, a narrative and a and a thing that fits sometimes can be a you know can be a heck of a combo. And right now, they they're cooking. They're doing a really well, good job. Well, especially especially when the pitch is real. I mean, if it's a genuine, like I think people sometimes can tell the difference between the sales pitch and the actual real pitch. Um, and yeah, I think that one thing I've I've thought the last two classes specifically. Um, obviously, these are high school kids, but I mean, they. I think that UVA. I'm not saying they only target specific personality traits, but one thing that I think UVA is trying to to market themselves at is like a very business-like sort of program where it's like you're gonna have to work really hard but we're the trajectory is up and you're gonna have to come in and like have an attitude like about you kind of and and be willing to earn everything i know that's kind of cliche but the way the way it's not all just like flash it's it's more like you're gonna come in here you're gonna work and it seems like a lot of these players that are getting in these classes are kind of I don't want to say they're quieter necessarily, but they're just kind of like willing to accept that um, and know that it's going to help them in the long run. Right. And and it's the same pitch. It's the same thing with the academics, right? I mean, if if you're willing to accept the academics, you know that there's going to probably be more work than there would be at other places, but you know that in the end you're going to get the results. And the ones that like are kind of more self-starter, self-serious players, I think those are the ones they're kind of starting to get traction with now. The thing the Rollins kid said yeah. to me about authenticity really, I think, is a big deal because, like, you can't ask these dudes to do the stuff. Like, I've heard uh, anecdotally that, like, the Gellerstick kid came in and that his and his like third workout or no, excuse me, his first workout was like he said it was like the third toughest workout he'd ever had or something like you know like there's a lot of that. Like, I remember when um um oh, what's your boy from Ohio State came over, uh, Dylan Thompson, yeah, um. Thor Gaines. Thor Gaines. When your your boy. Uh, but when when he came over, That's like he, he it like took him a long time because the workouts were so hard. If you're gonna push these dudes as hard as they push them, like you sort of have to be authentic about the way you take care of them off the field and the way it the way the vibe is. And like um, you watch like Mark Atawaya's, uh Twitter feed tonight, and he's got the running backs over at his house for for dinner, and they're like arguing over some game. Right. And they they literally all look like a bunch of dudes who grew up together. Right. They're arguing about the rules of this game that they're playing. I mean, that kind of stuff. I look, I, it, it, college football is weird. Like if you're not going to be Clemson in Alabama, you got to have a niche. Right. And Virginia's niche right now seems to be we're going to work you like crazy on the field. But off the field, you're going to feel like you're around people that you have known your whole life. And they, maybe that's why there's this through line that Dave mentioned earlier. Yeah, it kind of reminds me, and I don't particularly care for the guy, but it, it does remind me of the early years of Harbaugh at Stanford um, and how different that program was and how, like, you saw all the stuff about the the way the, the players hung out off the field and dealt with the academics. Like, there was a different group. Like, you know, the offensive line, they, they kind of took being nerds as their, you know, as their um, badge of honor, right? And Virginia, like, the family thing and earn not given is their badge of honor. So it's working, you know, the things have been progressing well. I mean, at some point there's going to be a bump in the road and, um, you know, the true test will be whether it can get through that. Um, but getting back to this class in itself, I mean, I, I think the thing you should be 
we should all take from it is they've got they've already filled a bunch of needs in this what will be a small class barring attrition right um they've already filled a bunch of needs and now a couple more little pieces they can start swinging for the fences with some higher rated recruits that don't make decisions till later um so i think you've got a chance to really close it out strong um it may not end up on paper as good as last year's in the in the rankings but i think you know, assuming assuming no ma- major attrition, and you fit it in with the classes before it, going into this season and and you know the season they come, um, that'll truly be Broncos team, right? And you have to like what he's done in the in building it so far. Um, and you know, uh, while we're while we're on our podcast, like Donovan Johnson, one of the most recent commits, had gotten an Oklahoma offer. And tonight he like kind of tweeted out go who so that'll be interesting to see how that turns out. But again, they they've recruited two more guys kind of like him. So you know if he doesn't buy in, they'll find someone who does. And and they've, and they've got more out there too. I think that's the other thing. Oh yeah, plenty. The the, plenty. the changes in the recruiting calendar to allow for earlier official visits has also been a big has been a boon for for a lot of teams. Um, you know, you saw Pitt cleaning up. A couple weeks ago, honestly, that's one of the things about the Rollins commitment that made me. Uh, I mean, Pitt really wanted the kid uh, because, I mean, he told me that like calling Pitt and telling them, "Hey, I'm 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 going to UVA," was was tough. Like to hear the disappointment on the other end of the phone. Um, but the role that Pitt has been on, and then to bring him in for an official visit, and you know, to have a kid from Pittsburgh, I can understand though wanting to go away from home uh, in general. But man, that that's a tough pull, and for them to do that. While Pitt, you know, has had a really nice sort of run, um, there have been a lot of teams I think that have made a lot of hay out of having the earlier official visits, which has been, you know, w- which took a little bit of time for for some programs to sort of adjust to. Um, but Virginia right now seems to have it cooking. Um, before we move to the to the fifth side, I do want to say I- I'm curious if, if for me as when I'm like interviewing these dudes, like in this one class between Armstead Rawlings. Um, uh, Armstead Rawlings and uh, Lavelle Davis. I probably have three of the top five or six best recruit, like best commitment interviews I've ever done. And I think to have half of them basically in one group is kind of ridiculous um, in the big scheme of things. I'm curious, who's the guy that you most like in this class right now? Just pick one dude uh, and and kind of break down what you like, whether it's fit, whether it's the kid himself. Who's the guy that's kind of standing out to you in this group right now? And Ferber, we'll start with you. Ah, uh, that's so tough. I, I like all the DBs. Um, I'll say Jimmy Chris just because they haven't landed as many like high-end offensive linemen as they have at other positions. And this goes back to the previous coaching staff, really. Um, not a lot of like four-star linemen. I know they got Jaquay Hubbard last year, but it's good to get a guy like that in that was valued by so many so many guys. And uh, also, I mean, UVA doesn't have the best track record over time with legacies, um, and it was good to see them kind of close the deal on a kid whose brother is on the team now. Um, other than that, I'll, I'll give you one more. I kind of like Sam Brady just because of the measurables. Um, He's a guy that's like completely off the radar. I think. I mean, he's starting to get he started to get some traction before he committed. But if you look at the numbers he put up, at, I think it was like the Nike Combine or whatever it was in, in yeah, it was North Carolina. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he put up. I mean, he had the highest like I think they they still use Spark. Right. Um, yeah. Like whatever the rating was, he was like by far the highest of anyone at the camp. Um, and then UVA brought him in, worked him out, and uh, it looks like he's a good fit. And 
you know, that's a guy that they might have just got on him before some other teams, like before he hit all the camps. And, you know, that could be a guy that after I think he needs to put some weight on. But I could see him being, a, you know, I'm not I think Charles Snowden's a high bar, but he has that sort of like ceiling where he might not be the highest rated guy, but he has the measurables to become maybe his like transcendent athleticism can kind of push him over the top. What about what do you think, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I think Jimmy Christman, our first answer, I mean, four-star in-state legacy. What a, you know, All the boxes are checked there, um, and offensive linemen. Um, otherwise, it would be Ira Armstead. Like, I, I guarantee you by the, by the time signing day rolls around, he will be getting some offers from some other big programs because like, he's only been playing quarterback a short time. And I, I, mean, I, I think I texted you guys when I watched this video for the first time. I mean, I don't know what the level of competition is, but he looks really natural at the quarterback position. And when you know that you don't have to depend on him, you know, if everything plays out, when you know he gets time to season with, with Beck, uh, and hopefully by that time an offense has got several years of, you know, of continuity, I think he's going to be a special player. And it's hard not to pick a quarterback as, as important as that position is. Right. Um, well, I will agree with you and then not pick a quarterback. Um, look, when's the last time Virginia had recruited a tight end, right? When's the last true, like, tight end prospect that Virginia <laughs> signed? Okay, Evan Butts? <laughs> it's Evan Butts, right? Yeah. And even that was one where Mike and, and Obi really offered him because they thought, all right, he could play tight end, and if not, um, you know, he could snap. Yeah. Now, Bobby Did he had, work out at long snapper, he, too? Yeah. Yeah. He, he worked out a long snapper and basically Mike had to or Obi had to go like sort of convince there was a lot of the, there was a lot of convincing going on that that day at that camp um now Bobby Haskins was listed in the database of tight end but obviously he was always a uh, uh about down the road offensive lineman at least in terms of Virginia's interest and technically I guess Christian Baumgartner was a tight end in our our system though he he was a defensive end when he came in and so yeah Evan Butts is the last tight end that Virginia has brought in I, I guess you could, I guess, say uh, Richard Bernie. They were in Richard the same, Bernie. I was just thinking about him. They were yeah. in the same group, right? So, uh, or the same two years together. Yeah. Um, but the, and my, he kind of, I, I know some people kind of projected him as an offensive lineman as well. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. when he first got there. So, like, if you think about just what Virginia has had to go through at that position, and I mean, look, I, I mean, I'm not entirely sure what they what they think that position should be. Um, we know what Anai has done with tight ends at BYU, and certainly the cutups that they showed him really impressed Josh Rawlings. I mean, he was he was like, look, this is the best place for me from an academic standpoint, the best place for me from a family standpoint, the best place for me football standpoint. So whatever whatever they whatever it is that they see that we haven't seen on the field, right? Um, it it's very clear that they think he can he can be the the, the two way guy, right? He can. Put his hand in the dirt and block. He can also go out wide and 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 be a you know an, an option in the passing game. I'm I don't know I don't know what it says about me that I'm most excited to see a tight end in a group that has you know a, a Bryce like quarterback a you know several really nice DBs. Uh, Lavelle Davis at six six is is going to be a lot of fun to watch at wide receiver. Jimmy Christ, you know, like to Ferber's point, they haven't done a, a lot of heavy lifting with with uh, legacies or with kids, you, you know, in-state linemen in general. Um, also, before I forget, did you guys see the, the the thing Hubbard had the other day that he's already been called R.J. Proctor like 10, 15 times? 
<laughs> since he's been on 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 grounds for like yeah, two weeks funny. or whatever. That's hilarious. Um, I promise you that half of the uh, that half of the media people will will still think that that's Proctor. I thought Proctor transferred, um, but anyway. Well, they won't have to talk to him. So and that's true. Yeah, no freshman. Um, so, anyways, I I don't know. Rollins is my guy. All right, uh, last segment of the show. Uh, we're gonna talk. Uh, we're at forty some minutes, almost fifty minutes. So we can't go. We probably we could probably turn this topic into an entire show, um, if we wanted to. We can turn any topic into a show. <laughs> no, especially the fifth side stuff. So we were talking about there was this random comment the other day in text threads. We were, I think, Dave basically said that Virginia's white jerseys are top three in the in the nation, uh, regardless of anything. Uh, and so there was this comment like, hey, we should talk about our favorite jerseys. Um, I, I think what we should do is we we should talk about it briefly and then maybe come back to it next month when it's a little bit when we got slow season and we can have like a uh, like a, uh, a much larger sort of discussion about it. Um, I, I guess I want to start further. What if you had to pick one jersey? Which which jersey nationally? Uh, yeah. yeah. Whatever. Which one is 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 the one that just you, you see in your God? That's that's a, that's a good look. Yeah. So mine is like the entire uniform, right, right. helmet. Oh yeah. When I say yeah, when I say jersey, I meant I meant yeah. combination. And it's look. for me, it's the home Michigan blue. It is yeah. awesome. They have a helmet that like nobody else wears. Not at the Division One level anyway. Uh, the colors are cool. It's very simple. It's classic. Love it. Um. Wow, I really, I really, I, wow, you went brief. I was, uh, that's impressed. I'm, imp- I'm impressed. That was impressed. I mean, I, I can't really, you know, the the maze and the in the blue. You know, <laughs> I just think they're cool. And honestly, they went to Jordan, and I was worried that Jordan brand was going to make up. them like too complicated. But they look cool now too. I think they look good. So, all right, Dave. W- assuming that you are going to say the white jersey from UVA, you're going to have to say somebody else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll leave you. I'll leave UVA out of this discussion just for. Just to make it interesting, um, I mean, if you honestly, if you asked me this question ten years ago, I would have probably told you Penn State's um, all white uniform, just because I like the simplicity of it. But now I, I can't choose anything Penn State, and um, that's just the way Fair. it is. Um, Fair. So I'm, I'm going to go with one which might get some pushback. For me, it's Texas's all white uniform, uh, the cream color. Uh, it's not bad. Yeah, um, I don't like their like I don't like the burnt orange, the Texas orange. I think it looks like a dirty orange jersey, but mm-hmm. that cream. And I just—I had to think about things I'd seen in my lifetime. Seeing them on TV and seeing them in person is different. And I still remember that night that Texas came to Charlottesville and wore the all-white, all the the cream sickles. Um, I mean, it's just a clean look, and it's so much history there. So I'll go with that one. I, I like clearly. I like white uniforms. Yeah, I was gonna say if you just wear all white, you have Dave's heart forever. Yeah, I just like simplicity, man. Like Oregon. You know, again, if you'd had this conversation five years ago, we probably would all would pick some Oregon uniform because it was. Yeah, so, I mean, I think so Oregon cool, is right? since it's so much variance. It's just some of them I like and some of them I don't. Um, yeah, it's just not fun anymore. Like yeah. it's too much, you know. I mean, I'll yeah, if I'm like flipping through channels and I see them on, sometimes I'll be like, oh, those are awesome, and then other times I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't pay attention to it anymore. I'll also say like honorable mention. Oh, I thought, whoa, 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 stop! No, no, I, I get to pick. <laughs> Don't, yeah. you be honorable, don't you be honorable mentioning anything until I get to pick? Because if you stole my pick, I'd be really pissed off. All right. That's fine. Uh, oh, you don't want the third pick in the draft? No, I don't want the third pick of the draft, <laughs> and I don't want to have the third pick of the draft in every round. All right. Uh, I'll take BYU. Um, was that going to be your honorable mention? 
No, I, oh. I really like the BYU Royal Blue. Yeah, that's, that's like one of my yeah, favorite yeah, that's ones. yeah. That's, yeah, I was gonna that's ask my which jam. BYU. Yeah, that's the that's the one. one that yeah, they wear. yeah, yeah. That 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 thing is nice. Although I'll be honest, man, like their entire uniform operation is is clutch. Like they everything, I think everything they wear looks good. Like there's no bad option in that bunch, right? Um, I don't that, like when they mix the royal blue and the navy blue. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. But and I they don't do think they, they don't they don't do that that often though. I like I yeah no, no not like often, the, but they've done it. I like yeah. the royal that that look is that look is clean. All right, what's your audible mention, Forever? Uh, just Notre Dame's helmets. Oh yeah. Um, the, the I honestly didn't really care for them or didn't care about them until I saw them in person when they came to Charlottesville, and I was like, whoa, like those things are gold. Like they it doesn't always show up on TV. Yeah, but they are like. Right. That was one of those times where, like, being in the stadium, you're like, oh. I, I will say, though, that their, jer- their their entire look has taken a little bit of a step down since un- they got Under Armour. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, not- Including now. I don't like, I don't like when the, the pants don't match. Yes, like, they wear yes, those, yes. They don't match the jerseys and stuff. Like, the Cowboys have that, too, where they wear those, like, blue pants. All right, here's my next have- question. Yeah. Should, should UVA sue Syracuse? I like Syracuse's uniform. I do too. no, I like them too. I just think that they like they they I literally look like got lifted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I feel like I've got Syracuse is wearing those uniforms like twenty years ago. Like there's like a dumbed down version of it. It's like the same thing. Yeah. They just brought them back. Like the three stripes on the helmet and the things on the shoulders. Like that's something it's just like a modern concept for what they wore. And that, what I thought they what they were wearing before was terrible. Um, those numbers were like awful. Let's um, let, let's let's throw funny. a curveball here. Let's throw a curveball here. Give me one other ACC team that you like. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I like I like the I like the Pitt went to the old color scheme, but I don't really like the uniforms. Um, you know, one I really always like is like an alternate is the uh, BC has the red bandana game, and they have like the bandana stripe on their helmets. I think those are pretty cool. Um, and they just I like the red and gold sort of thing. What about you, Dave? I mean, I assume none of us, I assume none, none of us are going to pick Virginia Tech. No, but, no. Uh, their stuff is awful. No, I, I'm going to probably go with Georgia Tech. Their gold, their gold jersey. Um, the traditional Georgia Tech with the gold helmet and the gold jersey, which they rarely wear now, but we'll see if they come out with the new T. You don't like that, uh, you don't like that hat with a T that says Georgia Tech in the T? Well, it's, it's better than Russell Athletic. <laughs> That's true. Honestly, me and Brad, actually, we were talking about this last year when UVA played North Carolina. Uh, we were just, like, watching them warm up, and I was like, they really do have, like, nice uniforms. Yeah, North Carolina is what I was going to pick. Because I keep saying, seeing these kids who commit to Carolina, and, like, they'll be in the jerseys, and I'm like, dang, that looks good. Like, I hate baby blue, man. No, I, I Carolina mean, blue. <laughs> I, uh, it's not just that. Like, they do a good job of combining with other stuff. Like, they've worked. I like somehow the managed white to, helmets. Right, yeah. the white helmets are clutch. The white helmets are good. I think I think there are some there's something going on with Florida State's jerseys that, like, 90% of the time I hate them and every once in a while I feel like I like something that they do. Um but for me I, dude I love the Clem, the Clemson helmet. Um I don't know why, but I've always loved that helmet. That that logo is just clutch. Why I like the helmet, but I think their jerseys are a little overcomplicated now. Yeah, like it's like they have all the stuff on the shoulders. True. Yeah, they they got a lot going on, but you know what? When you uh when you do things that they do, you can uh you can do that. All right, well we will get back into that. Uh, at a later date, I'm sure. Because we got to have something to talk about. Folks. <laughs> <laughs> if, well, yeah, we can do worst uniforms next time. Oh yes, actually, that's a really good. Then idea. Then we could talk about Virginia. You know, then then what we should do is we should we should that's the thing we should open up to the, to everybody and be like, give us your suggestions for the worst uniform. Um, 
and Adidas. You know, That's we'll the get, answer. We'll get like we'll get like forty people saying Virginia Tech. Um, if you are someone who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, give us a look on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your shows. Uh, give us a rating review as well. Always helps to get us out in front of more people. If you are someone who's found the pod but hasn't given us a look on the site, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Right now, let's see. I've got um, – we, we talked a little bit about the, the recruits that Virginia's picked up in the last week. Um, well, first, let's – look, there is some recruiting video – I, got, I caught a lot of flack for the stuff from Top 100, but Abdul Rahim, we didn't talk about Jabri coming in for his official this weekend, but definitely going to be one to watch. We've got some footage there. Um, I talked to Josh Rawlins, which you can check out. Um, we did a uh, Steve Kirkwood, the um, contributor that, I, that I've uh, been working with lately. Uh, he's got a cool looking back on, on the academic year parts one and two, so you can give those a look. Um, we talked about Ira Armstead. I've also got an uh, interview with him. And then uh, I mentioned tight end earlier and sort of what, you know, what the situation is. So we got a, a looking ahead on, on that as well. Um, before I, I, I sign off, I want to mention again, we are part of the Fanatics affiliate program, which means if you hit the link that's in the show notes of this podcast, whether you're listening to it on an app or uh, if you're listening to it on the website, um, hit the link that's there. You can not only hook yourself up with, you know, whether it's UVA gear or anything else, Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, whatever. As long as you use whatever it is that you buy there, if you use our, our link to get there, it uh, it counts for us, helps us support the site. So um, always keep that in mind when you are making your purchasing decisions. We very much appreciate it. I think that about wraps us up for this week. We'll be back next week unless I decide to give these knuckleheads the week off again, uh, being the summer and everything. Um, but for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. <laughs>